Life in our modern age comes at you pretty fast, which makes our time away especially valuable. When I take time to relax, I like to get far from my everyday life, immerse myself in natural beauty, and have unique experiences. But you don't have to leave the U.S. to experience tropical rainforests and islands filled with adventure, warm culture, and national treasures. Visit Puerto Rico, an island with a vibrant spirit that will sweep you away. Because when you visit, you don't become part of the island, it becomes part of you. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Today's episode is brought to you by West Holm. We all know from home cooks to restaurant chefs to eating enthusiasts that the quality of your ingredients makes all the difference, especially when it comes to meat. West Holm, which is based in Queensland in the Northern Territory, Australia, is working with the land to create nature-led Australian Wagyu. They steward 16 million acres of rangeland, guided by the natural ecosystem where their cattle thrive. The result is high-quality Wagyu beef that reflects the terroir of Northern Australia and a flavor suited to complement any cuisine. West Holm believes that when nature leads, flavor follows. Learn more at westholm.com slash savor. That's W-E-S-T-H-O-L-M-E dot com slash saver. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. If your business needs a new application, then developers will have to write code. A lot of code. If an application needs to be modernized, then you'll need time, resources, and caffeine. If that sounds daunting, then you need Watson X Code Assistant. AI designed to multiply developer productivity so you can generate code quickly. Let's create a more modern foundation for business with Watson X Code Assistant. Learn more at ibm.com slash codeassistant. IBM. Let's create. Hello and welcome to Saver, production of iHeartRadio. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we have an episode for you about Merlot. Yes. And as always with these, drink responsibly. Yes. Okay. But I got to start out immediately with a Seinfeld reference. <laughs> okay. So, um, I, I don't know if I've ever really explained this, but the reason I know Seinfeld so well is I had four channels, one of them being TBS here in Atlanta, well, Georgia, uh-huh. um, growing up. Okay. And um, on TBS, they played Seinfeld all of the time. Mm-hmm. And it was one of the few things that I could get consistently, even though sometimes I had to touch the TV and raise my hand. I don't know if that actually <laughs> works, but it felt like it did. Yeah, it felt like it was helping. You felt like you were participating. Yes. Sure. So I I was obviously not old enough to drink Merlot in the <laughs> 90s when these episodes were coming out. Uh-huh. But I did, for better or for worse, take in these messages of what adulting or adult life looks. And I know everyone's screaming, that's worse. But yeah, I, I was like, yeah. okay. This is, I even asked my mom, this wasn't just Seinfeld's fault, but like sitcoms in general. I was like, is the only way to meet people is like you meet them in a bar and then you dump them a a week later. And she was like, no. (laughs) (laughs) Um, 
<laughs> anyway, anyway, there is an episode where Kramer and his friend Mickey are going on a double date and they don't know who the two women involved in this scenario are interested in. Oh, okay. They kind of like forgot. And so they their plan is <laughs> to show up at the restaurant early. Okay. And then the two women will sit across. Whoever they choose to sit across will well, determine. Sure. Yes. But the women were there before they got there. Oh, no. Uh-huh. Anyway, there's a really awkward conversation that ensues um, that's just like, I like your shirt. Oh, well, I have the same shirt. Well, I also like the shirt. Like, the, no, nothing is getting decided. <laughs> um, and the waiter comes, and they're, like, kind of waffling on what they should drink. And one of the women says something like, what about Merlot? The other person says, like, oh, I love Merlot. I do, too. And then Kramer says, I live for Merlot. And then the waiter says, we're out of Merlot. <laughs> And Kramer, of course, falls out of his seat. And uh, yeah, that's how uh -huh. it goes. Uh -huh. But that's one of my very first, like, oh, Merlot huh. is popular. It's something people seem to like, which is really funny. Okay. Given the turn that happens that we're going to talk about mm -hmm. um, in, the, in this kind of discourse around Merlot in the United States specifically. But I just remember being young and watching that and thinking Merlot must be so good and sophisticated and like... <laughs> Everyone loves it. <laughs> oh, wow. Huh. I was yeah. not keyed into characters like alcohol choices in media until much later, I don't think. Uh, huh. Yeah, I mean, I was really, I don't know. I was just trying so hard to figure out what it was going to look like whenever yeah. I eventually huh. left my home. <laughs> <laughs> Which is funny because I know we've discussed this too, but I made a lot of ordering mistakes at bars just because I didn't know what else to order. Um, like, I know what a screwdriver is, so I'll order a screwdriver. And yes, it is like 11 p.m. at night, but that's the only drink that I know or, like, you know, things like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I do like Merlot. Um, Me too. Yeah. I honestly, I'm more of a, there are certain wines that I'll lean more towards, but I'm more of like a flavor profile than a specific grape normally. I'm more like, is it bold and like dry? I like it probably. Yeah, yeah. Those are generally my preference. I, but I don't know. I mean, you know, it, it's different, different moods, different foods, different yes. whatever it is. Um, and so. Ooh, I like different moods, different foods. <laughs> I like that. That could become a shirt or something, something. So we've done we've done past episodes that are related to this, perhaps tangentially, but um, Sangria recently, Rosé, um, and our very first episode on sparkling wine. When we right. were little baby food stuff. Very, very first episode was right about sparkling. So, yeah. And to this day, every time I open a bottle of sparkling wine, I think of that because I was so scared to do it until you walked me through the process, <laughs> Lauren. <laughs> I mean, it makes a big noise, and I know how easily startled you are, but um, yes. but it 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 can just 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 get a dish towel and wiggle. It's fine, and it has been fine thus far. Oh. But I love that every time I do it, I, I think of it. <laughs> <laughs> I did have a bottle open by itself on me recently. Oh, heck, oof! Yeah, that was that was something. Was it was it um, when you were preparing to drink it anyway, or was it just out of nowhere? Yes. Okay, well, it's, yes, and the the foil was off. Mm -hmm. I believe the wire cage was off as well, but it... Just boop? It went. Huh. It, 
Definitely. It definitely booped. The loud boop. <laughs> um, but all right. Yeah. We're not talking about sparkling wine today. Not today. Let's get to our question. Merlot. What is it? Well, uh, Merlot is a type of grape that's used to make wines, uh, both single varietals and blends. And wine grapes, stepping back a little bit, are a type of fruit that grow on woody vines. Uh, Merlot grapes in particular develop in these large, loose clusters of big grapes that are blue-black in color when they're mature. Um, They like temperate climates that don't get too cold in the winter. And these grapes are primarily used to create red wines. Um, That is, wines that are pressed with the skins on so that they're kind of burgundy color when when they're done whining. Um, although although rosés and whites made from this varietal are not unheard of. Um, super quick winemaking rundown. So what you do is you grow some grapes, you pick them, um, you press them, and then collect the, the juice, which is also called the must. Um, you add some uh, friendly yeast to that, and then let the yeast eat the sugars in the must and poop um, alcohol and flavor. Yeast food. And then you typically let the wine age for a bit in barrels or bottles. Uh, but so, yeah, yeah, that's that's how it works. Um, Merlot is one of the most prominent types of wine grapes from the Bordeaux growing region of France, um, which surrounds this river system in the southwest corner of the country. Compared with other grapes used to make red wines uh, there and in similar climates, Merlot grapes tend to have um, thinner skins and ripen a little bit easier and a little bit earlier, which tends to mean that these grapes produce wines that contain uh, less acids and less tannin than, for example, uh, Cabernet Sauvignon, which is also from Bordeaux. Uh, Merlot wines thus tend to taste a little fruity and soft, Um, like not sweet, but not very bitter either. Uh, three frequent tasting notes that you hear when you when people are talking about Merlots are um, uh, velvet, plums, and spice. But of course, uh, grapes are a product of nature. Um, you know, they, they use sunlight and water and soil to grow. And so small differences in all of those things, along with uh, temperatures and other factors like pruning and pests, all of that can produce slightly different grapes, which produce slightly different wines. Um, and there are two base categories of of Merlot grapes being turned into wines, Um, a cool climate and warm climate. Cool climate Merlots are considered the classic type. They're the ones grown in places like France, northern Italy, and Chile. They tend to taste a little uh, savory and earthy and like a purple fruit-like. They're a little bit softer. Uh, warm climate Merlots are sometimes called New World Merlots, even though, yes, Chile is in the Americas. Anyway, um, yeah, th- these are grown in places like California, Argentina, and Australia, and they tend to taste a little spicier, a little bit chocolatey, and more like red fruit-like, perhaps, than purple fruit-like. Um, they're, they're a little bit stronger. They're perhaps closer to a Cabernet Sauvignon than, um, than a traditional Merlot. Oh. Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> In the world of wine, uh, Merlots are considered often a um, a less challenging wine, um, both on the production end. Um, uh, they're considered to be good for adding to wine blends because they can mellow stronger wines out. And also on the consumer end, in that they're um, easy to pair with foods, they're not too harsh, and uh, that's good for people who are still developing their palate for wine. Um, 
They're considered to pair well with dishes that contain a lot of savory or umami flavors, uh, roasted meats and fish, uh, mushrooms, stews, uh, tomato-based sauces, cheeses, stuff like that. But of course, the uh, the best wine to pair with anything is a wine that you like. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. So true. Mm-hmm. It reminds me, when we first started, I was determined to do like pairings of everything and then... <laughs> That quickly fell off the wayside. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, it is, this is not a science. This is not even an art. That's just like, I don't know. <laughs> you like it? Do you like cool. it? Do that. <laughs> yes. Um, well, what about the nutrition? Drink responsibly. Woo. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, we do have some numbers for you. Oh, we do. According to the International Organization of Vine and Wine, Merlot is the most widely planted grape in the Bordeaux region of France. As of 2004, estimates put it at the third most grown wine grape in the world. And at the time, that number was only going up. Yeah, um, the uh, the three top producers are France, the United States, and Italy. But right, it's grown just all over the world. Yes. Um, and according to some sources, Merlot is America's second favorite red wine behind Cabernet Sauvignon. Apparently, I was reading that that buying single varietals instead of blends is like more an American thing than really <laughs> than in most other places. That perhaps just a just a Bordeaux thing. Uh, I, I read that in Bordeaux, blends are preferred, and the same article was explaining that um, that California wines can label themselves as like whatever varietal as long as they contain seventy five percent or more. Of that varietal, which makes me suspect that blends are more common (laughs) in American wines or Californian wines anyway than we consumers think. So, Oh, that's interesting because that does come up in the history as well. And I thought that was kind of a, it made me take notice of why did California, it seems, be like, you know what? We're just sticking with just one grape Mm -hmm. and that's it. (laughs) Well, I don't know. Welp. Uh, well, we are going to discuss that in the history section. We are, uh, but first we are going to get into a quick break for a word from our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Westholm. I'm a person who doesn't really cook with a lot of meat, to be honest, because when I do, I want it to be special. I'm the same, and I do love sharing that food with people. And I have to say, we received some product, some steak, Mm -hmm. and I am very eager to share it with my friends. Yeah, uh, Westholm sent us uh, a few of their products, and they included these gorgeous, gigantic tomahawk steaks that I, like, opened the box and immediately sent a picture to my best grilling friend, like, hang out soon. Yes, I did too. (laughs) Westholm offers these beautifully marbled steaks because they have 16 million acres of rangeland across the northeast corner of Australia, from Brisbane to Darwin. They use a nature-led approach with the belief that if they balance the needs of their cattle with the needs of their environment, both can thrive. Their cattle graze on native grasses like Mitchell grass, which is found only in Australia, and roam wild, foraging at will for the first two to three years of their lives. The result is Wagyu beef that reflects the terroir of northern Australia and a quality that would complement whatever you're into cooking right now. Westholm believes that when nature leads, flavor follows. Learn more at westholm.com slash savor. That's W-E-S-T-H-O-L-M-E dot com slash savor. This is it. Your moment. 
This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hello, iHeart listener. We have a confession to make. Both iHeart and this commercial you're listening to right now would probably sound a heck of a lot better on the new Roku Pro Series TV. It's got side-firing speakers that fill your room with sound, Dolby Atmos audio that puts you right in the middle of the entertainment, and the ability to pair seamlessly with your home theater sound systems that already have surround sound and booming bass. If all that sounds too good to be true, it'll sound even better on the new Roku Pro Series. Your hearing isn't better. Your TV is. Father's Day is coming. A day we celebrate the guy who's always there for us. To crack a dad joke. Well, you know what's not a dad joke? Getting $50 off the Bartesian Premium Cocktail Maker with the purchase of his favorite cocktail capsule pack. $50 off. No dad joke. See, this is a dad joke. I lost my glasses today, and guess who I bumped into? Everyone. But the Bartesian cocktail maker, it's no joke. Each cocktail capsule contains real fruit juices and all natural bitters, so dad can make over 60 premium cocktails he loves. Sidecars, old fashions, gimlets, all with the push of a button. So, for the dad who loves a cocktail with friends and a good joke from time to time, get the Bartesian premium cocktail maker. $50 off now until Father's Day. Visit B-A-R-T-E-S-I-A-N.com backslash father to get 50 off the best premium cocktail maker for dad at the best price for you. Bartesian, premium cocktails on demand. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. Uh, so uh, Bordeaux has been a wine producing region for about 2,000 years, um, started up by the Romans in the way back. Yes, but Merlot is actually relatively new compared to these other grapes, which, of course, could be a matter of what was getting recorded, as we always say. Um, Despite that, um, it's relative newness anyway. The history on this one is a bit spotty. Mm -hmm. Yes, depending on the source, Merlot may have first appeared in the written record in France's Bordeaux region in 1784, when an official in that area claimed that the wine made from these grapes was superior. A winemaker from the region may have officially used it in a Bordeaux blend around then as well. Um, From what I can understand, this is mostly going off a label that we're assuming, but that kind of confuses me because the name wasn't being used until later. Mysteries, histories. Mm -hmm. Exactly. (laughs) Others put the first mention of Merlot even later in the 19th century when the name was first coined in the written record. Um, and I didn't dig into this too deeply, but the popular stories about the name are, it comes from the kind of a French word for blackbird, and that being either because of the color was very dark and close mm-hmm. to a blackbird's color, or that the blackbird liked 
this grape. That is what I've read as well. I received no further clarity. (laughs) Yes, no further clarity. (laughs) But certainly by then, the grape was being widely harvested and used to make wine in France. Growers appreciated how well it blended with one of the region's most popular wine grape varieties, Cabernet Sauvignon, um, and the softness that it often lent to resulting wines. They really liked it as this blending Mm -hmm. grape. Yeah. The grape was first recorded in Venice, Italy in 1855. It was introduced to Switzerland via Bordeaux around the same time. And records from a Swiss region mentioned Merlot between 1905 and 1910. Um, Merlot made it to California in the mid-1800s, where many wine growers opted to make wines that were 100% Merlot, yes. Which I thought was interesting that Mm -hmm. they were like, this is it. Sticking with this one. (laughs) France's Merlot grapes were almost entirely wiped out after a severe freeze in the 1950s. Growers attempted to replant Merlot grapes to replenish their stock as quickly as possible, but a lot of these grapes were destroyed by rot the next year. Oh, no. Yeah. um, Several similar things happened in the following years to the point that the French government banned the planting of Merlot grapes in 1970 as a way to mitigate and prevent further financial and physical loss. The ban didn't last long, though. It was lifted in 1975 due to the growing popularity of Merlot around the world. Yeah. uh, Meanwhile, over in California, wine grapes in general saw a huge boom in plantings in the 1970s um, and and then particularly picked up in the late 80s and Merlot more particularly, particularly. Um, Yeah, Merlot (laughs) was the um, second most planted grape there from 1987 through 1997. And Washington State, uh, they are also involved in this. Washington State's Merlot production helped bring global attention to their wine industry in the 1980s. Americans' taste for Merlot and red wine in general saw a boost in the 1990s, in part because of a 60 Minutes report on red wine's potential health benefits, and perhaps specifically a chemical red wine contains called resveratrol. And I hope I'm somewhere in the ballpark of how that's supposed to be pronounced. Um, There were other things at play in the growing popularity of Merlot in this country and of red wine in general. The trendy Mediterranean diet at the time, um, that it had this generally softer, fruitier profile that was more, you know, approachable, as they say. Mm -hmm. Um, And that it was pretty easy to pronounce, uh, which... I've done before. Sometimes I'm looking at a menu at a bunch of wines, and I'm like, I know how to say this one. As long as it's not exorbitantly expensive, that's probably the one I'll go with. I do do a lot of pointing at menu items. Yes. You can also point. Never forget. Never forget. You can always point. And and most of the time, I mean, I don't know. Like, I suppose it depends server to server and situation to situation. But I feel like most of the time, if you're like, oh, man, I'm excited about this. I don't know how to say words. Like, like no one's going to really yeah. judge you for it. Oh, of course not. But I do totally, I, like, multiple publications mentioned this easy yeah. to pronounce part. Yeah. And I'm, I, I can no, see I, it. I, I sympathize. Absolutely. Mm, mm-hmm. That Seinfeld episode came out in the 90s. Uh (laughs) At one point, the Merlot market was growing about 20% per year. Ooh. I know. In that same decade, Chilean officials realized that Chilean Merlots were widely mislabeled, made instead with the Carmenere grape. When it was discovered this wasn't the only instance of wine mislabeling in the country, 
owners of the Chilean winery Domaine Paul Bruno invited experts to inspect their grapes to make sure everything was correct. But this is another instance of I would have had no no idea. I don't know. And also that grape is closely related to Merlot. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, but I'm excited to talk about this. Okay. Um, in 2004, the critically acclaimed movie Sideways came out, which had a much debated impact on the Merlot industry. If you haven't seen it, which I haven't. Um, oh, really? Huh. No, no. But I, I'm excited to talk about this because it did impact me nonetheless. Um, it stars Paul Giamonti as an unsuccessful and unhappy teacher who never made it as a writer who goes on a weekend trip with a friend to California wine country. It's based on the book by the same name by Rex Pickett. Uh, and uh, the film is directed by Alexander Payne. Yes. Um, and Giamonti's character loves wine. Except for Merlot, <laughs> which he is apparently vocal about. Yeah, uh, the little yeah. opinions he has of it. <laughs> Much preferring Pinot Noir over it. Um, and after this movie came out, U.S. sales of Pinot Noir rose by about 16%, while sales of Merlot dropped by about 2%, causing a decrease in price. Although the U.S. wine industry overall experienced growth in sales. And the U.K. saw a similar trend. Hmm. And people have legitimately dug into the impact this movie yeah. had on Merlot in America. <laughs> um, some people say that they people who saw this just switched out Merlot for Pinot Noir. Others say thanks to overproliferation and saturation of the market uh, when it comes to Merlot, Merlot sales were already declining, so we're reading too much into this. Still others say that the movie actually did deter a whole generation from <laughs> Merlot. Some producers argued that this was actually a good thing for Merlot because it caused less serious producers of Merlot um, and their resulting lower quality Merlots to leave the market. Um, so that that led to the overall quality rising when it came to Merlot and that those acres that were going to this like lower quality Merlot could go to something else or producers who were more serious about yeah. Merlot. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Yes. But as I said, I I had not seen it, but I I heard about all of this, and when when it came out, and I know for me at the time it made me feel basic, like Merlot was oh, basic, huh. and that it was I had no taste, like that meant I actually didn't really like wine. That this was like the oh, you know lowest yeah. common denominator of wine, and that's why so I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. See, this has always mystified me a tiny bit because, like, Giamatti's character in this film is such a jerk. Like, he's so clearly not a role model for any type of, like, life experience. Uh, like, like, why would anyone listen to what this dude said? Uh, he's, he's so mean about it. He's like, he's, he's like... I think the quote is something along the lines of like, of like, if anyone orders a Merlot, I'm leaving. I'm not drinking a f***ing Merlot. <laughs> Whoa. And, uh, yeah. And so, <laughs> like, I, like, I, I took it as like, as like a, as like a joke, like, you know, like, like just this other arbitrary thing on top of all of the other arbitrary things that he has chosen to be like, just like way up his own butt about. And so, mm -hmm. I don't know. Um, I mean, the wine that he drinks at the end of the film is a Merlot blend. It's this thing that he's been he's been so excited about. He's been like waiting to try anyway. So, yeah. Um, 
I didn't really drink wine when I saw this film, which was right around when it came out. Um, uh, so I don't. I didn't really have a, an opinion about Merlot mm-hmm. or any other type of wine grape. Um, uh, and I guess I internalized it a little bit too. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, Merlot must be silly, and Pinot Noir must be good. Mm-hmm. I guess. But then I drank some Merlots, and I was like, oh, I like this. Huh. <laughs> so I don't know. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's as as we said, the best, and as, as many other people say that have a lot more experience in wine than either of us combined, probably. Yes, um, yes. Uh, the best wine is the wine that you like. So, you know, if you like yeah. Merlot, buy it. I mean, heck, buy it because that character hated it. I don't know. <laughs> Oh, well, this is a different podcast, but this I actually have been thinking about this a lot and kind of the glorification of the asp. Yeah, yeah. The, the damage it's done um, and how we take, like, in this instance, kind of an angry jerk white man's, he says it's bad, it must be bad. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, like, I just trust it. Like, oh, I, I hadn't even seen it. And I was like, okay. You're like, oh, cl- cl- yep, sure. That must be true. <laughs> um, yeah, I've, I have been thinking about that a lot lately, actually. And and just, like, who gets to decide these things? And Right, yeah. It's, it's ridiculous. Drink Merlot <laughs> if you like to drink Merlot. Yeah. Yes. Don't drink it if you don't want to. It's cool. Um, so, uh, researchers <laughs> from University of California at Davis used DNA analysis to determine that the Merlot grape originated from Cabernet Franc and Magdalene Noir de Chantre grape varieties in 2009. Uh, yes, un- un- unrelated to the film Sideways and or Paul Giamatti. <laughs> yes. Um, as far as I'm aware. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm sure it was spurred on, probably. <laughs> like, it did cause quite <laughs> quite a thing. It did. It did. Um, but but yeah, yeah. This this was super cool to see, like, right, like, like genetically speaking, where um Merlot had come from since there had been so little written about it um in mm-hmm. in the history. And research is ongoing. Um, not necessarily into that, but in lots of related Merlot-y areas. Um, over the past five or ten years, there have been just a lot of fancy chemistry and agricultural research done um, with wines and winemaking, trying to like tease out what compounds are responsible for particular flavors and and textures in wine. Um, By by textures, I mean like the the levels and types of astringency and stuff, like what makes a wine feel, um, feel dry in your mouth versus like like sharply dry versus kind of softly dry. It's all different, all different chemical compounds. Um, and super interesting. Uh, and yeah, lots of this has been playing with like really specific growing conditions like soil and gravel content in that soil and uh, uh, you know, water and shade, seeing what effects all of these things have on the grapes and then seeing what effects that has on wines. That is cool. One, I, I can I can never resist talking about this when it comes <laughs> up. Uh, one bit of research that was done in 2020, a, a French startup called Space Cargo Unlimited sent a bunch of uh, Cabernet Sauvignon and Merlot plants in the form of little bits of budwood that can be um, kept in like cold stasis. Um, they sent them up to the to the ISS, the International Space Station. The plants stayed there for ten months, uh, then came back to Earth and have been revived and planted. Um, and the resulting fruit is going to be studied for, for any changes that exposure to microgravity and uh, space-bound radiation might have caused. 
The researchers working with the vines hope to, like, sell these space grape varietals in the future. Oh, my goodness. And you know people would buy it. Oh, yeah. Space wine. <laughs> oh, yeah. Absolutely. Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, uh, part of the same experiment did send 12 bottles of finished wine um, from uh, Chateau Petrus up as well. Um, uh, specifically uh, Petrus 2000, uh, vintage from the year 2000. And uh, Petrus is a, is a Bordeaux house that um, uses mostly, if not all, Merlot grapes in their wines. Uh, there was an initial tasting of this space wine in March of 2021 um, that bore comments that the space wine seemed two to three years more matured than control samples of the same vintage that were kept on Earth. Interesting. Yeah. Huh. Oh, this is something else I've been thinking about a lot lately, and that's how time <laughs> works differently in space. Oh. I would feel like it'd be less mature. What do I know? Well, I mean, you know, it's it's not just not just the 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 time factor, but but all those all that space radiation, sure. the microgravity. Who knows? Mm, who knows? I gotta, think, I gotta take this into account. You yeah. Yeah, could have just could have just mucked with the flavor compounds without actually having the the, the time dilation or contraction mm. effect. Yeah, what are we talking about again, Merlot? Oh yeah, we're a food <laughs> show. Hi. Um, yep. Anyway, uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> this hypothetically um, this whole ISS wine thing isn't isn't just a publicity stunt, although it's definitely a publicity stunt. Um, but uh, but it's it's again about um, yeah different different stresses. That can happen to vines and um, and and wines, and seeing what happens when those products uh, and and biological samples are under stress. So, yeah, fascinating. Mm-hmm. Just send everything up to space and see what happens. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, this has been a fun one. We've talked about space and pop culture. And- <laughs> Jerks. <laughs> very, very interesting indeed. <laughs> it is. Thank you, Merlot. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Merlot. I live for Merlot. <laughs> um, it's it's a very it, that quote is ingrained in my head. Uh, <laughs> well, I guess that's what we have to say about Merlot for now. It is. Um. Uh. But uh, we do have some listener mail for you. We do, but first we have one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Westholm. I'm a person who doesn't really cook with a lot of meat, to be honest, because when I do, I want it to be special. I'm the same, and I do love sharing that food with people. And I have to say, we received some product, some steak, mm-hmm. and I am very eager to share it with my friends. Yeah, uh, Westholm sent us uh, a few of their products, and they included these gorgeous, gigantic tomahawk steaks that I, like, opened the box and immediately sent a picture to my best grilling friend, like, hang out soon. Yes, I did too. <laughs> Westholm offers these beautifully marbled steaks because they have 16 million acres of rangeland across the northeast corner of Australia, from Brisbane to Darwin. They use a nature-led approach with the belief that if they balance the needs of their cattle with the needs of their environment, both can thrive. Their cattle graze on native grasses like Mitchell grass, which is found only in Australia, and roam wild, foraging at will for the first two to three years of their lives. 
The result is Wagyu beef that reflects the terroir of northern Australia and a quality that would complement whatever you're into cooking right now. Westholm believes that when nature leads, flavor follows. Learn more at westholm.com slash savor. That's W-E-S-T-H-O-L-M-E dot com slash savor. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Have you ever wondered what it would be like to have supervision, enhanced hearing, extraordinary reflexes, to be, dare we say, superhuman? Well, Roku's new Pro Series TV can't do any of that for you. But with a 4K screen, side-firing speakers, and a blazing fast refresh rate, it'll sure feel like it. Elevate your entertainment using all your favorite apps like iHeart and play all your music, radio, and podcasts with the new Roku Pro Series. Your senses aren't better. Your TV is. Father's Day is coming, a day we celebrate the guy who's always there for us to crack a dad joke. Well, you know what's not a dad joke? Getting $50 off the Bartesian Premium Cocktail Maker with the purchase of his favorite cocktail capsule pack. $50 off. No dad joke. See, this is a dad joke. I lost my glasses today, and guess who I bumped into? Everyone. But the Bartesian cocktail maker, it's no joke. Each cocktail capsule contains real fruit juices and all natural bitters, so dad can make over 60 premium cocktails he loves. Sidecars, old fashions, gimlets, all with the push of a button. So for the dad who loves a cocktail with friends and a good joke from time to time, get the Bartesian premium cocktail maker. $50 off now until Father's Day. Visit B-A-R-T-E-S-I-A-N.com backslash father to get 50 off the best premium cocktail maker for dad at the best price for you. Bartesian, premium cocktails on demand. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. And we're back with listeners. Listeners. Lovely glass of Merlot. Yeah. Nice, soft, approachable. <laughs> yeah. I feel like you were like like raising it up to the sunlight and kind of, kind of checking the color for a second yeah. there and maybe doing a swirl. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. <laughs> In my cosplay closet, uh, I can still envision <laughs> being in California wine country. Oh. Yes. One day. One mm-hmm. day, Lauren. Mm-hmm. Amberly wrote, I loved your recent episode on Zatar. I am half Lebanese, and therefore Lebanese cuisine makes up a lot of my personal food culture. We always have a container of our family's Zatar blend in our kitchen. Equal parts oregano and thyme, a slightly smaller amount of sumac, salt to taste, and then we pour equal parts olive oil and neutral vegetable oil over top and mix it. Mm. I tried to get a more exact recipe from my mom, but this is the best I got. (laughs) 
I live in Canada, and we don't have good access to the actual za'atar herb. As I have an anaphylactic allergy to sesame seeds, we omit that from our blend. So I am curious how sunflower seeds might work as a substitute, though they would likely need to be chopped into smaller pieces. Hmm. I was also surprised that za'atar usually refers to a wild oregano, since I always thought it referred to a wild thyme. Which I guess it also does. <laughs> In my opinion, culture and food have such strong ties. But living with severe food allergies, it limits the foods I can safely eat. Although a lot of Lebanese cuisine uses sesame seeds, we have found ways to adapt recipes to accommodate my allergies, such as finding ways to make hummus without tahini. Um, but this has only happened because it is a part of my family's culture. I am sad that I haven't been able to try a lot of Asian foods and cuisines because so much of it features sesame or another one of my allergens, and I have no way to understand how to adapt the recipes and preserve the integrity of the dish. Ah, uh, yeah, this is a this is a difficult one. That that um, uh, yeah, yeah. I I don't have I don't have any food allergies that I'm aware of, but I do have several intolerances that it's really better for everybody involved if I avoid um, and. Uh, and so sometimes I'll look at a recipe and I'll go like, oh, I think I just can't eat that. I think I just mm-hmm. <laughs> like I don't know yeah. how to I don't know how to solve for this equation. Like if I take out this element, like how do I right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, it is it is true. Like that's one of our big things on this show, right? Is that link between culture and food and um I'm glad. I'm very happy to hear, like, in your family, you found ways around it and that you're still, like, looking for, like, what could work for the sesame seed in this case. And, um, but, you know, that being said, it does suck. Like, there's a lot of foods that you just can't have. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I I do feel like, like, another, another uh, seed or nut would probably, would probably transfer well into a lot of those types of recipes. Um, that, that use either sesame oil or, I mean, if it's just sesame seeds as a dusting, like, yeah, but yeah, yeah, just, just like a, like a, cause the, the, the base note in there is kind of like sweet and, uh, nutty and creamy. And mm. so, um, anything with that kind of any fat with that kind of flavor profile might, might work for you. Yeah. Yeah. And let us know if you come across anything like that. Um, I still have not been able to find Zatar. I'm determined to do it, but now potentially could make it. Ooh, I see. Yes. Yeah. yes. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> oh, goodness. Um, Salvador wrote, I am from northern Mexico, and corn dogs are common in fairs and as snacks in children's parties. In Spanish, we call them banderillas, uh, meaning little flags, probably because of the stick and uh, the colors of mustard, mayo, and ketchup. Being closer to the U.S. means we get some influence on our food and culture from this proximity, so I'm not sure if banderillas are common in all of Mexico or just the northern states. But... Here's a big difference. Mexican banderillas are made using a wheat batter, specifically pancake batter. So you get a soft, fluffy kind of sweet covering on your hot dog that somehow works really well with the mustard and ketchup. I would have expected that being Mexico, corn would have been a natural choice, but for some historical chance, we have wheat dogs instead. I enjoy banderillas every now and then, but I'm curious to try corn dogs and see how they compare to what I grew up eating. Ooh. Right? Oh, see, yeah. see, as much as I like kind of came out hard against corn dogs <laughs> and like yeah. specifically what I dislike about them is that I've always had them sweet, like mm-hmm. the coating being sweet. Yeah. But now I'm like hot dog and a pancake. I want to try a hot dog and a pancake. <laughs> I would eat a hot dog and a pancake right now. Yeah, I 
That's very... I, I'm very excited. I hope that you do get to try corn dog yeah. and compare. Um, because that also, in that episode, I, that's kind of been my hesitation is this sweetness. And also, I think, like I said, old oil. Yeah, yeah. I just don't like that. I don't like that taste. Um, But yeah, I could see I could see a hot dog and a pancake situation. If I was in the right mood, I could see that being good. Um, <laughs> I have really, really, really enjoyed how many people have written in about corn dogs. It's like brighten my heart is so warm that so many of you have thoughts about corn dogs we do too yeah yeah it's apparently one of those things that just brings humanity together mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i recently had some friends who were so excited that they encountered corn dogs in the wild oh. and i was like so happy for them uh. <laughs> um Well, thanks to both of those listeners for writing to us. If you would like to write to us, we would, as always, love to hear from you. Our email is hello at saverpod.com. We are also on social media. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at saverpod. And we do hope to hear from you. Saver is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Thanks, as always, to our super producers, Dylan Fagan and Andrew Howard. Thanks to you for listening. And we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. What are you looking for in a new smart TV? 4K picture quality? High quality and immersive sound? A sleek design? All of those are givens, but only the new Roku Pro Series has all of those and the Roku Streaming Experience, an award-winning OS. Get fast, easy access to all your apps like iHeart, where you can stream all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts all day, and regular all-inclusive trips to Roku City. The new Roku Pro Series, a smart TV built by the streaming pros. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. You wouldn't expect to hear that we're America's third best city for beer like this one. Or home to vibes like this. And this. It might surprise you that we're top 10 for immersive art that's like... Whoa. And... Hmm. Not to mention, we have one of the top zoos in the country. So can a city with the country's best pro soccer team, ranking as a top culinary destination in the world, be in your own backyard? Yes, Columbus. Plan your summer at experiencecolumbus.com slash summer. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.